Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Friday, July 16th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. There are more signs that the Delta variant is gaining a stronger grip on Missouri. The state is reporting its highest daily count of new COVID-19 cases since winter. And the association representing Missouri's hospitals is warning the state's health care system is potentially on the brink of a crisis. All of that comes as health officials try to figure out ways to convince more teens in Missouri to get the COVID-19 vaccine. The state's Department of Health and Senior Services says roughly 2,300 newly confirmed cases of COVID-19 were reported yesterday. That is the largest one-day count since mid-January. Officials say the Delta variant continues to spread in Missouri, which has one of the lowest vaccination rates of any state in the country. The Missouri Hospital Association calls the situation in southwest Missouri, quote, dire, and says the signals for the rest of the state are not good. Those warnings come as a report from the Department of Health and Senior Services shows teens in rural Missouri are falling behind on COVID shots. Alex Smith has some details. As of early July, less than 10% of rural Missouri teenagers under the age of 18 had received shots. That's far from the nearly 30% of urban teens who were vaccinated. Back in May, the FDA approved the Pfizer vaccine for people as young as 12, and it's now widely available at no cost. Missouri's completed vaccination rate remains just under 40%. I'm Alex Smith. Nearly two million women throughout the country have not returned to work since leaving the labor force during the pandemic. U.S. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh says that's a major issue for the economy and hopes expanded tax credits that went into effect yesterday could help with child care needs and potentially solve the problem. That's going to be, I think, a game changer to get people into the workforce for the ability for, for, for people to be able to um, you know, afford child care and get their kids into programs so they can go back to the workforce. Walsh spoke yesterday in St. Louis during a roundtable discussion on women's empowerment hosted by the nonprofit Rung for Women. The owner of Chase Park Plaza Cinema in the Central West End says the industry might not fully recover from the pandemic. Several movie houses have struggled through the outbreak, including Harmon Mosley's operation. He says the decision by major studios to release movies to streaming services first instead of theaters, combined with COVID, amounts to the biggest challenge of his more than 40 years in the business. So that is a a paradigm shift for exhibition, and uh, we just honestly don't know uh, how it's going to to work out. Mosley made those comments yesterday on St. Louis on the Air. Washington University is changing how it responds to mental health crises by taking police out of the equation. As St. Louis Public Radio's Kendall Crawford reports, many universities are having conversations about the role of police on campus. In the wake of George Floyd's death, Washington University decided to reevaluate public safety protocols. Longtime administrator Hank Weber says the university will begin to divert mental health incidents away from police in the fall. It is better that those cases be responded to by people whose primary training is mental health rather than primary training is in law enforcement. The cases will rather be handled by a staff of round-the-clock, on-call mental health professionals. 
Other campuses like University of Missouri-St. Louis and St. Louis University are focusing instead on police and university counselors collaborating. But each school says building trust between students and police is a priority. I'm Kendall Crawford, St. Louis Public Radio. A Kansas City area writer is Missouri's new Poet Laureate. Mary Frances Wagner of Independence succeeds Karen Crago. Wagner is a poetry teacher, editor, and community arts leader. Governor Mike Parson chose her from public nominations that were reviewed by Missouri's Poet Laureate Committee. Wagner will serve two years as Poet Laureate. Broadband is becoming more essential to everyday life, but many areas are still fighting for access to high-speed Internet. A study from University of Missouri Extension examines the economic benefits of broadband expansion. I spoke with co-author and assistant Extension professor Alan Spell about the main conclusions from the research. Broadband does have benefits. They are long-term. They are substantial for communities. The benefits are not just the building of broadband that's important, but also that adoption. We have to help communities understand the adoption of that broadband is how we really internalize and see those benefits um, manifest in the community. This study focused on three Missouri counties. Talk to me about how those counties were chosen and how it expanded from there. We decided to do three to start with. And the, the reason is, is that if we could pick three counties that had some qualities that would allow us to test some scenarios, we could kind of use that as, as at least um, a way to ballpark what those gains might be for other communities. Bollinger County was the first one, a community that the University of Missouri had already been engaging in, in terms of expanding broadband. They were also the county with the lowest adoption rate in the state at 19%. We picked Henry County. It was a larger community. It was also a county that was about the average for adoption in Missouri. So that was good to have a county that was at the average level. And then Nottaway had a high adoption level. It was great from that standpoint, so we could test sensitivity of our economic assumptions and gains. This has been discussed for years. Are you surprised that the numbers aren't higher for access and expansion and adoption of what has basically become a utility like electricity in many homes? On the one hand, yes, you're, you're a little surprised to see adoption levels so low. But if you think about, especially in a rural area where you really only have maybe one option, that option might be very cost prohibitive for you. Secondly, we all have mobile phones now. In a sense, we have that cellular access that a lot of times gets us by for the basics of things. And so if I need to look up something online, I can do it with my phone. And a lot of people use phones now, even in lower income areas. Now, Last year really kind of changed a lot of our perceptions about that. It's one thing to have access with a phone, but it's still spotty. It's another when you actually need to log into your work and to buy supplies and things. And so on the one hand, it's, it's not terribly surprising, but we've seen this big change now, at least in the desire to have broadband. Other benefits the study identifies include quality of life. I would think that's the bottom line, because if your business is successful with a broadband line or your remote learning in the broadband line is fine, your quality of life is going to elevate. That's really what we're talking about here. Would you agree with that? It is what we're talking about. The challenge is quality of life is hard to measure when we're talking about dollars and cents. The benefit that I have to be able to stream movies now is a nice benefit, but I can't 
always put a dollar figure to that or the benefit of me being able to fix my own sink if something goes wrong because I can pull up YouTube and watch, you know, watch some instructions. However, there have been good studies in the past decade that try to tease out some aspects of our improvement in life, improved income, improved employment opportunities, improved education that all go to quality of life. The hard part in doing an economic study is that these things are intertwined. These things cross over into different things. At the end of the day, a lot of times what community leaders are looking for is to understand how do I quantify this? Because if I'm going to look at helping these ISPs expand broadband, because that's our, our challenge, I need to understand the dollars and cents. And sometimes that's that means we need to be a little bit more conservative in, in how we estimate things, just so we don't overcount things and, and actually end up not presenting a realistic picture to community leaders. That was University of Missouri Assistant Extension Professor Alan Spell talking about the economic benefits of broadband expansion. Thanks to Maria Altman for editing that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. Have a fantastic weekend. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.